This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to gopowercat.com's powercat pregame podcast presented by robin's motor company and it starts right now now let's go to the wtc gig powered studios here's your host gopowercat.com publisher tim fitzgerald following an impressive 31 24 comeback victory at number 23 mississippi state and a bye week the nationally ranked Kansas State Wildcats begin their Big 12 slate on Saturday at Oklahoma State. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Saturday's game in Stillwater will kick at 6 p.m. and be shown on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. The game can be heard across the 39-station K-State Sports Network with Wyatt Thompson on play-by-play, former K-State quarterback Stan Weber as analyst, and our buddy Matt Walters doing the sidelines and also doing the pre- and post-game shows on the network. K-State opened the Chris Kleiman era with three impressive victories as the Wildcats defeated Nichols and Bowling Green by a combined score of 100-14 and then followed that with a win at number 23, Mississippi State. The victory at MSU marked the first time in program history that K-State won a road game against an SEC team that was in the league at the time of the contest. K-State had previously lost 11 times in such games. The Wildcats went from receiving no votes in either the coaches or Associated Press polls two weeks ago to ranking number 22 in the coaches poll and 24th in this week's Associated Press top 25. Kansas State is 3-0 on the season, and Oklahoma State coming off its 36-30 Big 12 opening loss in Austin, Texas, is 3-1 and 0-1 in Big 12 play. And now it is time to go in-depth with this preview of the Wildcats and Cowboys with the Go Powercat Roundtable Session. And I'm now joined by GPC football beat writer and associate editor D. Scott Fritchin, senior writer Riley Gates, and our football recruiting analyst Ryan Wallace. 
Let's start with you, Ryan Wallace. What do you fear the most from this Oklahoma State offense? Uh, do I have to say just one thing? <laughs> no, that's a problem. <laughs> um, yeah, they're just a really balanced team. You know, it's not like those old Texas Tech teams of the past, um, you know, with, with Mike Leach that pretty much just get by with throwing. Um, I mean, this is this is more Art Bryles-like, um, the way that he used to run Baylor. Um, the, what Mike Gundy has done is, is he's uh, added a running back um, in Hubbard that can beat you with his legs, and then the minute you try to stop the run, they're just going to beat you over the top with guys like Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner. I mean, they're they're very good, but I think you know if I had to say like a, a sneaky part about this Oklahoma State team in general, but specifically on offense, that that is a little bit scary is the fact that not only do they run that high octane offense that Kansas State really hasn't seen this year under Chris Kleiman, but they're also fairly experienced. I mean, you take away Spencer Sanders, um, the, the freshman and quarterback, and they've got a lot of guys that even though they might be juniors or sophomores, they're guys that have played some snaps for this team. So um, you, there's not going to be that kind of deer in headlights where they're still kind of figuring some things out and, oh, we're coming off a loss and da-da-da. This Oklahoma State offense, to me, um, is is just a – it's a scary good offense in the Big 12. Same question to you, Gates. I mean, I think that kind of covered a lot of it for me. I, I do fear the, the passing attack a lot because we still have a little bit of questions left to answer about K-State secondary. But for me, it's it's kind of that couples a little bit with the fact that Spencer Sanders can just get out and, and run. We haven't seen K-State face a, a quarterback of this type of talent yet where he can – you know he can throw it really well obviously has a lot of options um like like ryan mentioned right there but you know it's it's another added dimension when you can take off and run and and not just run to like oh get to the sticks here's the first down um he can run and he can go well past that first down marker and that that kind of scares me because it's just one more thing you have to worry about yes k-state can look at shutting down chuba hubbard in the running game yes k-state could look to you know play some really tight defense on Tylen Wallace but you, it's just so tough to try to stop three things at once and, and the quarterback run makes that tough I suspect D. Scott Fritchin I know your answer <laughs> is it the redshirt freshman quarterback Spencer Sanders I spent some time with Mike Tuasasopo the defensive tackles coach at Kansas State on Wednesday and you know he's he's been around for 28 years he's a coaching veteran he's about seen it all and I said who do you compare this guy Spencer Sanders to and he said Marcus Mariota over at Oregon um, Alex Smith Utah um, throwing out these names and I said well I wish you luck and he said thanks we're gonna need it <laughs> you know I look at him and I see a young L Roberson you know it's all there he just hasn't put it all together and just live in fear that he's going to put it all together on your watch. When, you know, your team's there, he's going to turn into that running, throwing, Lamar Jackson-like player that you just can't stop. This offense is really, really scary. But the good news for K-State is uh, even if you expect Oklahoma State to put up points, you're probably going to put up points, too, Wally. I mean, let's start with Skylar Thompson. He's had luck in Oklahoma State. He's had success down there in a career that's been kind of a mixed bag until this season. He should be going into this game with incredible confidence. Yeah, I mean, he should. I mean, this was uh, 
This is a, an Oklahoma State team that Kansas State had some success against in Manhattan last year. Uh, they brought in a new defensive coordinator last year, Jim Knowles from Duke, um, that just still seems like he's, he's trying to kind of figure out how to best use all of his parts. Um, they're, they're kind of um, reinventing uh, the defensive line up front. They lost some guys, even though they had a bunch of sacks and tackles for loss last year. They're having to replace a bunch of guys. They've got some active linebackers and some young guys in the secondary. Um, but again, if you're Kansas State, you're seeing a lot of things on paper that really can work to your advantage. Like I said up front, you know, this is a, a nice game for K-State's offensive line to really flex their muscles like they have the first three games of the season. And I think it's, it's a nice test, you know, right out of the gate for Kansas State's receiving core. Um, nothing that, you know, nobody that really stands out and, and scares you. I think A.J. Green and Rodarius Williams are, are solid corners in this league, but guys that I think um, are good for Malik Knowles and, and Dalton Schoen to get their feet wet against before you kind of dive into, you know, some of the uh, more well-known corners that they're going to see down the road. We'll get into the running game in a little bit, Fritch. I, I believe that K-State is going to run with a great deal of purpose and and be very convicted to it. They're going to want to run the ball a lot. But there's going to come a time in this game where Skylar Thompson needs to make a throw or two or three. I think he's ready to do that. And, I, you know, I, I just think he's got a lot of confidence heading into this and truly believes in this offensive system. Yeah. Uh, you know, they run the ball, but then – Skyler was able to go over the top, and he's got playmakers, like you said, with Malik Knowles and Dalton Schoen. He has that confidence. He has the it factor this year that we weren't able to see in Skyler Thompson last year just because he was so afraid of making a mistake. This year, he's capitalizing. He's able to make the plays in the air. We've seen just a shadow of this offense, just a fraction of this offense so far this season, Riley. Who will be the offensive reception go-to guy in this game that's a good question Fitz I, I that's think that's what I do for a living <laughs> you know I think that it'd be really easy to to look at Malik Knowles and and hope that it would be him you know he had obviously the big game against Bowling Green I thought you know they tried to make him a little bit of a focal point at Mississippi State it feels to me like a game though where you might need to lean on a guy like Dalton Schoen um and that a lot of that's because we haven't seen K State do that yet. You know, I now I say that just a few weeks after he caught a game winning touchdown pass, so maybe that sentence doesn't exactly come off right, but Dalton Schoen has been far from what I expected him to be in terms of how often he was targeted, um, how much he was utilized and early on we saw him drop some balls and I think that probably played into that a little bit. But you know, Malik Knowles is a kid that is uh, a kid I mean he's played four games last year he's played three this year yes he understands it a little bit but he has not played a full 12 game season he's not you know been a a main receiver in a uh in an offense in a road big 12 game and, and Dalton Schoen's been there before he's done that and I think we could see K-State go to him a lot um because I think Skylar Thompson's going to need a consistent receiver he can he can throw to in this one I'm going to say it won't be a typical pass catcher in terms of being a receiver. It's going to be a tight end or running back. I got this strange feeling Jordan Brown is going to be. One of these games, they're going to have to start pulling things out. You know, whether it's the tight end pass, whether it's the running back pass, these are things that we that that were hyped up all offseason that, that the coaches said, oh, yeah, we got stuff in the playbook. Well, 
One of these days they're going to need to start pulling them out for us to start believing them. <laughs> a kingdom for Fitz, real route. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, Fitz, I, I'm on board with you with Jordan Brown. That's who I was thinking in this one because I think, you know, when you look at Oklahoma State, they generate so much of their pass rush from – you know, they're active linebackers, and a name that you're going to hear a lot is Eamon Ogbong Bemiga. And don't ask me to spell it because I can't. Um, I, can, I could probably spell it, but I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's a kid that they like to bring on the pass rush, and Malcolm Rodriguez is a really athletic linebacker, too. But they generate a lot of their pass rush from those guys this year, whereas in the past it was from the defensive line. And it, it just seems like a perfect Saturday uh, for. Jordan Brown to get out in the flat or on a wheel route and just say, see you later. I'm with you guys. I think this is the game where they start peeling back that onion a little bit farther. They've, they've done just enough peeling to make defenses cry, but now they're going to kind of get used to what they've run so far. And I think they break some of their tendencies they've shown in the first three games and throw some stuff at Oklahoma state that they really haven't shown. And, And, Wally, to let you continue, I, I think a big reason they're going to do that is when you look at the schedule, this game, winning this game could be enormous. So why not throw it at the wall and see if you can make it all stick? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes at a perfect time because you're coming off a bye against Mississippi State. You know, you have all that uh, the, the hype from, from getting an SEC win on the road. Um, I think Chris Kleiman's able to settle that down, come back, kind of reinvent some things if they need to obviously they probably shouldn't but you know if there's anything like you said that they want to test out they kind of have two weeks to to flex it around and see what works you got a road game at oklahoma state then you come home against baylor and then you get another bye week um where you can kind of reflect on okay what worked these last two weeks that we threw at baylor and oklahoma state what didn't so i agree i agree with you 100 percent. i think this week and next week against Baylor are a big opportunity for Courtney Messingham, heck, even Scotty Hazleton to, uh, if the, the, the timing is right, to, you know, open up the playbook a little bit, try some things out, and, and see what sticks for later down the road. And D. Scott, whether they've shown those plays not yet or they're going to show them for the first time, Saturday in Stillwater, it's really about the running game. It, that's what this offense is based on, and getting off to a fast start in the season was essential, and in this game is also essential. I spent a little bit of time with James Gilbert, the sensational senior running back at K-State, graduate transfer from Ball State. Um, in order to identify this mentality of this running game, this, this is what he said. He said, no team has seen the type of offense that we have at K-State it's going to be a rude awakening come Saturday for them. Um, K-State right now, 280 yards, yards per game, which is seventh in the FBS. 348 rushing yards after three games. Fitz is the best that K-State's had after the first three games of a season in 70 years. Not bad for a running back position that returned zero snaps from a year ago. Right now, K-State is averaging 5.6 yards per carry in 2019 versus 4.2 yards per carry this time in 2018. Mm. I, I'm so impressed with this running game. And, of course, it all starts up front with that very veteran offensive line. And, man, much credit, you know, to Courtney Messingham and, and all the coaches. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, The offensive line just dominated Mississippi State. And that Mississippi State front is better than Oklahoma State's front. I, I'm not going to be – 
too nice here. I think Riley Gates, Oklahoma State's front is junk. They got bullied by Texas. Um, I'm surprised Texas didn't move the ball at will on the ground. It's like Texas almost outthought themselves at times. But I feel like this is an opportunity K-State can really uncork some ball possession Yet big plays on the ground. Well, you say the defensive front. I say the defense as a whole. Yeah. You know, just just kind of looking at the season overall. You know, they've they've given up thirty or more points twice uh, of their four games. They're averaging uh, allowing opponents over four hundred yards a game. It just says to me that it's it's not. You know, we kind of said it earlier. It's not quite Texas Tech. You know, they do put up a little bit of a fight on defense, or at least those old Texas Tech team Texas Tech teams, I should say, but. Uh, this doesn't strike me as a team that wants to get stops, that wants to make sure, hey, we're going to get out there and we're really going to get up in their face defensively. It's, hey, if they score, that's fine. We've got the offensive weapons to go back and score on the other way. So I really think K-State could get after this defense because we've seen K-State come out and do the traditional K-State thing. 11 plays, 12 play drives, 75 yards in about six, seven minutes and really just kind of wear defenses down. And it really set, feels to me like if they do this against Oklahoma State, that'd be an amazing way to to really rattle the defense that's not used to putting up big long fights like that. Ryan Wallace, there was a euphoria after winning at Mississippi State for the team, for the fan base, for the coaches. Uh, my dogs were excited. Um, I don't think they knew what happened. But after an off week, it doesn't feel like that's diminished at all. In fact, the magnitude of that game as the team heads into conference play seems to still be holding up. It was a huge win, and the off week almost made it feel bigger because now you've had that to rest on, to prepare after, and feel like you have momentum. Uh, do you share that thought, or do you think it's just, hey, that's in the past, or it's now 0-0 zero and zero in Big 12 play? No, I mean, I think it was a significant win. I mean, for emotionally speaking, given what Mississippi State did to Kansas State last year, that was a game that they really, really wanted to win. But not only just win, you know, really make a statement. And I think they did for the most part. Um, but at the same time, you really hope that, you know, a bye week has calmed that down a little bit because, you know, I don't mean to to, to Oklahoma State's horn here because – I First off, I think it will be a close game because every game in Stillwater is a nail-biter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going back through the, the stats the, the other day, and the average margin of victory over the last four meetings between these two teams in Stillwater is four and a half. <laughs> the, the largest anyone has won since 2011 is seven points. So that in, in and of itself means that, you know, you can't come into this game riding too high because Oklahoma State is always one of the more physical teams in the conference, and they're always going to be a competitive team um, pretty much re- regardless of the game, at least when they're in Stillwater and Boopigan Stadium. But, you know, the other thing that, that, you know, I kind of am a little nervous about heading into this game, besides, again, this, you know, riding too high, um, you know, kind of, you know, waving your flag a little bit too much after the Mississippi State game is the fact that this is still an Oklahoma State offense that scares me um, given what Kansas State did a little bit at Mississippi State, 
you know, the end of the second quarter, or, you know, going into halftime, they give up that late touchdown. Uh, the third quarter, you know, they let Garrett Schrader come in and, and start to do some things. I mean, they, they let a 17-7 to lead diminish into a 24-17 to Mississippi State lead. And so this is an offense to me that I'm a little nervous about K-State's defense with from a standpoint of missed tackles and some miscues. Um, this offense absolutely in Kansas State has to stay on the field, like you said, Fitz. But to round out a long-winded answer, yeah, I think it was it was good um, for the emotion of this team to get it uh, done in Starkville, come back, ride high, be confident going into Miss, or going into Stillwater because it's a place that's challenged K State in the past. Um, but again, don't don't wave your flag too high because this is an Oklahoma State team that just went down to Austin, and um, for all the flaws that they have still put up 494 yards of total offense. Yeah, they did. They probably should have won that game. They had opportunities. I'll be intrigued to see if Mike Gundy kicks the damn field goals this time or he continues <laughs> to go for it and fail to get points if that's what happens. I think that'll be a big line storyline in this game to watch early on. Fritch, how big was that Mississippi State win? And how much did it help this program? Well, you know, we've talked before. It's that springboard that has been lacking for K-State teams in recent years. You know, we thought Vanderbilt might be a stepping stone game um, for K-State, and they went out and lost. This team has what I think is that it factor about it. It reminded me so much of that um, Miami game in 2011, just the way that K-State was able to out-duel a uh, Power 5 opponent on the road. Um, big win. Chris Kleiman's the first coach in K-State history to have a team ranked in his first season. And now things become bigger. Yeah, they do. And um, it, it's a good, you know, for you to say this this Mississippi State game was a stepping stone is a testament to the staff so early on in their tenure to be able to get this team to this level where now they move on to the big boys. And, and now it becomes really fun. Yeah, that Vanderbilt game, it was a stepping stone, but they missed the stone and fell in the water. <laughs> fell backwards <laughs> down the staircase. Wow, yeah, it just didn't go right. I'm just really intrigued to see. You know, Ryan, you brought up this point. I mean, the mistakes K-State made in that Mississippi State game added up to falling behind 24-17. You do that in Stillwater, it's 38-17. They will cash it in quicker and get the ball back and cash it in again. Riley Gates, they got to play a clean game, man. They can't go down into Stillwater and muff punts and turn over the ball and you know have interceptions and fumble it right back and have late hit penalties. Silly, silly errors kept them uh, in a competitive game in Starkville. That will cost them a game in Stillwater. Absolutely, it will. And I'm not concerned so much about the punt and return muffs, as you know, as obviously that's kind of the big talking point right now, given how much of an issue it was um, in that Mississippi State game. For me, it is what does K State need to continue to do well is avoid those really stupid penalties that teams can make at times that beat them. That K State is is you know doing very good job this year of not having bad false starts, not really getting you know tons of delays of games, things like that. For the most part, K State's been a clean team. There's been some bad calls here, or you know, bad calls that K State has deserved to have called against them. The late hits, um, tar, you know, whatever, whatever the call might be. But for the most part, I feel like they've been clean. Now it's going to be different in this environment. Now, you know, Mississippi State was a tough environment to play in, but it also was a half-empty stadium at 11 a.m. This is going to be a jam-packed, full Boone Pickens Stadium at night 
paddles beating on the wall. I mean, it's going to be a heck of an environment to play in, and I think it's going to be tough for K-State at times to maybe stay composed. They've got to make that a key coming into this game. You know, no false starts, no late hits. It's going to be, we've said it a lot, it's going to be physical. They're going to have tempers flaring a little bit, I'm sure. they got to avoid things like that. You know, if there's if there's a penalty, make it a, like Chris Kleiman always says, an aggressive holding call. Those are fine, but you just cannot have those penalties that are going to beat you because I feel like this is a game where every single opportunity is going to be important. Wally, we don't know about Scotty Hazelton's Scotty Hazelton's defense in terms of the Big Twelve. They've gone against bad offense, bad offense, one-dimensional offense. You get a full throttle. You set it Art Briles style, spread with a really good running game out of Oklahoma State, and to use the cliche, it's pick your poison. And I think we're going to find out an awful lot about his uh, character and dynamic nature as a defensive coordinator if he can find a way to stunt all the different blows that are going to be thrown at his defense on Saturday. Yeah, and in addition to what you said, you know, an underlying storyline to, to, to this weekend's game is, you know, K-State got the better of Mississippi State with the help of former Mississippi State assistant Van Malone. Now, this week, Kansas State goes against former Kansas State assistant coach Charlie Dickey, who knows all the ins and outs of Kansas State's defense, maybe not from a strategy standpoint now that the coaching staff has been revamped under Chris Kleiman, but he certainly knows all the characteristics, all the the traits, the you know, the nicks and knacks that, that make Wyatt Hubert good, that make Reggie Walker good, that make Trey Deshaun good, and you go on and on and on down the line. So, you know, if you don't think that Mike Gundy is going to be picking his brain, um, you're sadly mistaken. Um, and so that only adds to the challenge that Scotty Hazelton is going to face this week. He's had an extra week to really prep for this. Um, but, you know, going against Oklahoma State's offense right out of the gate, it can be a blessing because you get them out of the way. Um, but it can also be, um, you know, a nightmare because, again, you have them right out of the gate. And um, they're they're one of the most difficult offenses to prepare and defend for no matter when you see him yeah i wrote about that charlie dickey storyline coming into this one and um you know it was more from the the side of the offensive line but i think it applies on both sides of it and the funny thing is you know you ask chris Kleiman and and mike gundy was actually asked about it too you know what can charlie dickey bring to the table in this game and i think both coaches kind of tried to downplay it a lot but it, it's absolutely going to be there. You know, Mike Gundy just flat out said he doesn't. It doesn't add anything to it. Well, that's just I. I don't want to call a coach a liar, but I also feel like that's not entirely accurate. I absolutely think he's picked the brain of Charlie Dickey. You know, hey, which offensive linemen struggle with this? Which defensive linemen can we do this against? And Charlie Dickey's going to know those answers. So that is a that's a bigger storyline to follow than I think it than I think is being talked about right now. You know, not that many people have brought it up. Not that many people have asked about it. It, but uh, it's certainly something I've got my eye on this weekend. Well, let's bring this edition of the roundtable to a close with a simple question for D. Scott Fritchin. How does that helicopter play at Mississippi State define this Kansas State defense? Boy, a fourth and 16, who would have thought that would happen? And, you know, again, once again, it reminds me of that Miami game in 2011, Trey Walker goal line. Wally, you've talked about it before. 
and uh, K-State's able to put the brakes on. Well, you know, what we were able to see with A.J. Parker and Elijah Sullivan was they were able to put the brakes on. They, they did what it took. And A.J. Parker, after the game, told me that's just the mentality they play with. They play with a dog mentality. That's what they pride themselves on, you know, and it's really going to be interesting to see what this defense is able to do going forward because it's top 20 in scoring defense. It's top 20 in total defense. You know, in the last 10 years in the Big 12, only six defenses have finished top 40 in the league. Which is pretty amazing. It really is. It's going to be really interesting to see if this defense, how well it's able to dig in and if it's able to sustain its aggressive ways throughout the Big 12. And with that, the roundtable is closed. And now let's run off to the great state of Oklahoma and bring in former Oklahoma State offensive lineman Sam Mays. And he's heard every day across Oklahoma on the franchise from 3 to 7 p.m. Sam, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. It's uh, you know, it's fall weather, cooling off a little yeah. bit out in the Harley, getting around Oklahoma City. So nice, been having a good time. Nice. What is the aftermath of that loss at Texas for these Cowboys? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think you're talking about a, a football team that is probably still in a position where they've overachieved this season. You know, I think you're looking at a Spencer Sanders, who's one of the hot young quarterbacks in all of college football. You know, somebody who uh, I think has got a skill set that, if cultivated correctly, could be in the Heisman Trophy conversation in two years. So, you know, I don't know that that Texas loss is, uh, is something that is catastrophic to Oklahoma State or to Mike Gundy at this point. It's frustrating. You know, I think that yeah. Texas is probably the better football team um, physically, but I thought Oklahoma State had many opportunities to win that game, and they just didn't take advantage of them on the coaching standpoint, and obviously the players made some mistakes too. So I don't know that it has really any real impact as far as what the season could be. I feel like the Cowboys probably still will finish a little bit better than I thought they would. Well, Oklahoma State has probably, in my book, the best trio of playmakers on that offensive side of the football in the conference. And you mentioned Spencer Sanders, the redshirt freshman quarterback. Man, he's special. You know, after covering Kansas State for so many years and looking at quarterbacks that Bill Snyder wanted to have in his system, boy, would he have fit in that old school Bill Snyder system with his ability to run and throw like he did with, you know, Michael Bishop and L. Roberson and those guys. What jumps out to me is he's completing almost 63 percent of his passes he's at 328 on the ground two tds and 62 and 93 through the air for seven tds i'm telling you what spencer sanders is a really really special quarterback because as soon as you lock in on the run with him he's going to throw it when you back up for the throw he's going to run it and he's a he's a rubik's cube that's hard to solve isn't he yeah there's no question you know i think that you saw some things out of him on saturday against texas that were a much older veteran player um, you know, decisions that he was making. You know, there were some times where I thought you should have just ran that ball uh, instead of trying to throw it, but you appreciate the fact that he's looking downfield, looking to make big plays, knowing, you know, that he's got one of the more uh, aggressive, skill-setted receiving cores in, in all of college football. Like, they've got something, someone that does something, uh, does something unique in, in every one of those positions that receiving core, and he wants to get them the football. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that level of decision-making from an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid. Like, he's He's come a long ways in a very short amount of time. You really wonder, you know, if, if Spencer Sanders is not the future of the NFL when you consider the guys that are having success right now. Mobility is a must, and this kid 
not only is he mobile, but he runs the football like a running back. Yeah, it's it's really fun. He's fun to watch, man. And and when he throws the ball, it's Tylen Wallace, you know, quite often on the other end of it. You talk about a big play. Guy's already got six TDs this season, averaging 23.6 per catch, only 20 catches on the season. He's just hard to keep track of. You know, it seems like every time Oklahoma State graduates one, they bring in another one that is of the same set, you know, the six-foot, 185 guy that good luck tracking him down for the whole game. Right. No, I, I agree. It's amazing how many of these guys they come across. And you know, Mike Gundy hits home at that receiver position so often. It's just become a staple at Oklahoma State. You know, the lift and cost conversations are something that we have every single season there uh, in Stillwater. So, yeah, it's it's been pretty cool to watch that kid develop also. I haven't even covered my favorite guy on the offensive side. You mentioned Spencer Sanders eventually for a Heisman Trophy discussion a few years down the road. I'm about to go there on Tuba Hubbard. Uh, this kid, 6-1-207. He's carried the ball 103 times. He's almost at 26 carries a game, but he has gotten the end zone nine times in four games. That's incredible. And he is averaging 6.2 a carry. He is literally a workhorse for this offense, isn't he? Yeah, there's no question. He's a very talented running back. I still think there's you know parts of his game that can still be developed also. This is somebody who's got uh, a unique skill set and ability to manage himself through the course of the game. He's patient behind the line of scrimmage once he hits the hole. There's an elite-level burst, an NFL-level burst out of him. You know, you're talking about a guy that's 207 pounds, probably has room to get to about 210, 215. Uh, just a, like you said, that prototypical uh, pro setback, but he's finding a way to survive and thrive, actually, in a, in a more of a spread offense. It's been a lot of fun watching him develop. This is an NFL player. There's no question. Somebody who might even look better in an NFL uniform as far as his overall skill set than he does in college. And right now, you know, he's one of the best running backs in the country. That's a great point. Some guys are just, you know, more designed for the NFL, and he certainly is. Sam, now on the defensive side for Oklahoma State, I didn't like much of what I saw in that game against Texas. Your thoughts? Oh, defensively, it's a joke. I mean, to the point that I would consider probably looking to make a change midseason. I can't imagine take, letting my football team take the field on a Saturday uh, and just get humped for four quarters of football uh, without making one adjustment. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, the nose guard should be disgruntled about what he was. Uh, he was basically served up the entire game to that Texas offensive line, and they did nothing to help protect those kids. It was crazy. That's the craziest thing I've seen in Division One football this year was the Oklahoma State defense and the failure to make an adjustment at all to make that a little bit easier uh, for them. And the thing is, they still made plays. They got off the field five times. They had a, a turnover. Like, those kids are scrappy. They want to get in a fist fight. That scheme is a joke. Like, there's 10, there's 10 nose guards in college football right now, today, that are capable of playing a true traditional nose guard, right? 10 nose guards today in college football, and those dudes are not going to Oklahoma State. I'll tell you that right now. They're going to Clemson. They're going to Bama. They're going to play big-time you know, blue blood college football because they're commodities in this game. You just don't find them anymore coming out of high school. So they're going to run that defense like they have the personnel to do it, and they just don't. It's absurd. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's laughable. You can't do that. It's, it does strike me as very strange. And as much as I love Mike Gundy and I love what he does in the offensive side of the ball, my friend, he can't figure out defense. He can't find out a, find a coordinator that's going to do something uh, right. that will complement his offense. It's crazy. Yeah, and so here's the crazy thing about it. Like, when you look at the changes that Kansas State has made defensively, look at the changes that Texas has made defensively, Iowa State's making defensively. These are all units that look like they have just kind of hit their stride at the right time in this conference. Because I said in July on my show that I thought the Big 12 was going to come back to center as far as running the football. Yep. Time of possession is going to mean something this 
season versus the last five years of this conference because Texas and Oklahoma are at the top of this thing. It's a copycat league. People realize that controlling the line of scrimmage and running the football are going to win football games for you. And now you've got this injection of new coaches in this league that are doing the same. Championship coaches, you know, championship coach there at Kansas State, championship coach at Kansas. These guys see the value in running the football. They understand uh, what that means for your football team when you can control the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I think that when you consider what Oklahoma State's doing defensively, it's almost like three years too late for the Cowboys. They need to do something different to help themselves defend what this new league is going to look like this season. I'm an old-school football guy. I'm guessing that you are as an offensive lineman. The Big 12, as you just said, was a lot of flash over substance in the past, and now substance is coming back into the league, and, and I love it. Oklahoma State is still running elements of the spread, but they're doing it with an incredible running game. I love that. I the, For the Mike Leaches and for a while Cliff Kingsbury that just totally abandoned the running game in favor of throwing the ball, I never was a fan of it. Uh, and you had to strip down your defense to defend that, and still people are trying to defend that, and now they're at a disadvantage. It's, it doesn't make right. sense to me. Right. Yeah, it's crazy to see how you know the game is, is – it just rotates and changes and evolves. And, you know, it kind of always comes back to, you know, overall physicality and, and being able to dominate the line of scrimmage. That's championship football. And it's been since 1920 that's been championship football. It's the same way in 2020. Mike Gundy is 15 years into his stint at Oklahoma State, has been a really solid coach. What is your assessment of Coach Gundy as we head into full bore into Big 12 play? Yeah, I think he is the winningest coach in school history. I think without Mike Gundy uh, and Les Miles and uh, you know a, a very select few others, there wouldn't be this version of Cowboy football that we know today. Uh, he has the school patrol championship. He deserves a statue outside of the arena. I believe all these things about Mike Gundy. But I also believe that Mike Gundy is complacent. I think he is extremely comfortable in this position. And he even mentioned it this spring about being complacent and that he was going to change it. And I don't know that it's any different at this point. I think he, the cautiousness that he coaches with in big games lets you know that, uh, you know, kind of where he's at with his football program, where he's at in his career. Uh, that guy's got as good a job security as Nick Saban does in Oklahoma State. So I, I don't know if I'm overly, uh, you know, a, a fan at this point. Um, I think some things probably need to be ramped up, picked up, especially on the recruiting side of things. Like there's no way that Oklahoma State with top 15, top 20 facilities to recruit in the 50s. That's an embarrassing number. It is. It's just an, like there's, there's three parts of this thing, right? You got to be the CEO. You got to be a play caller. You know, have the X's and O background. And you got to recruit in college football if you plan on being anything. And Mike Gundy has failed to show us in the entire time he's been there that he can recruit a recruiting class that is up to the standards of what the university is at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. It's crazy. Yeah. I love that stadium. I love the facilities down there. There's tradition. Um, and it just it should be top 25 type recruiting classes uh, with all that rolling at Oklahoma State. One final question for you before I let you go, Sam. If Mike Gundy is facing fourth down in the red zone or close to it this week, is he going to kick the field goal or continue to go for it? Look, you know, if he goes for it, great. I have no problem with him going for it. The problem is with that basic play that he ran. Yeah. Who that, like, that's your play. That's the play. Okay, so you realize that your offensive line has just been in their butts beat the entire game, and you're telling me that that's the play you come up with in fourth and one, you're just going to let them run right at the defensive line that's been kicking their their butts all day? Like, doesn't make any sense. Like, go for it. That's cool. Be, be aggressive. Like, you're on the road in DKR in front of 90,000 people 
against one of the you know one of the most famous brands in college football. You're telling me that you don't want to be aggressive there? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. But that play was a joke. It was a joke. So hopefully they just do something a little bit differently next time. Well, we'll, we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. It's going to take place 6 p.m. in Stillwater Saturday night on ESPN Plus. If people can watch it, there are tickets available. Get into that stadium. It's a fun, fun stadium. And I'm a big fan of the paddles. I, no, absolutely. It's a I, cool deal. I think the paddles are one of the coolest college football traditions that most of America doesn't know about and appreciate. So, I agree. And that was Sam Mays of the franchise wrapping up the first segment of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Our analysts await. They are on the other side. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. We'll be right back. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Joining you once again, it's Tim Fitzgerald and Go PowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Marcus Watts is standing by, but first this. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And let's kick off our analyst section of the pregame podcast with Mr. Watts. Hello, Marcus. How are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? How's yeah. Manhattan? Manhattan is lovely, lovely on this Wednesday as we record this and uh, get ready for Saturday's game in Stillwater. How important are off weeks for a player? It depends. You know, sometimes you, you want to keep playing and stay in the groove. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, it's nice to have, you know, an off week where you can you can rest a little bit, you know, watch a little football maybe. Um, spend some time with friends and family and, um, and not just be all about football the whole week. That sounds like an Applebee's so. commercial. That's great. <laughs> you know what? I hope K-State's rested, particularly that defensive side of the ball, because they're going to see a whole lot of Chuba Hubbard. This young man is carrying the ball about 26 times a game, if I do the math correctly there. He, they are working him in the ground, but he is a workhorse of a running back at 6'1", 207. He scored nine TDs in the pokes four games this season he's pretty darn good yeah he's the real deal i mean he's something that k-state's gonna have to focus on and that's something i think going into the game is probably the number one key to this game is i think k-state should try to stop the run 
um, and focus on that more than they should focus on the passing game of Sanders and, you know, with Tylen Wallace out there. Because uh, a guy like Tylen Wallace, you're only going to contain for so long. There's no way to stop. He's going to have his moments. So, and, and you know, K State did a good job against Mississippi State. Now they didn't have to worry about the passing as yeah. much against Mississippi State. And so, but they shut down the running game, and you know that's they pretty much dominated that game the whole way through, except for for some turnovers uh, in the game that led to some scoring drives for Mississippi State. But yeah, K State coming into this game, I think is going to focus on the run. I think that's where it all starts, and that's what. Um, you know, Oklahoma State wants to do, obviously, if they're rushing their running back 30-some times a game, mm. you know, they want, to, they want to get the run to set up the pass. I agree. Uh, they And they don't just have to do that with Hubbard. They can go with their quarterback. The redshirt freshman Spencer Sanders has run it another 52 times this season, so he will carry it about, eh, what, 13 times a game. That's a that's a pretty good one-two punch on the ground, uh, considering that how many times uh, they will throw the ball. But when it's a running game, it's one of those two guys almost every time. And I made the comparison earlier in the podcast to a young L. Roberson. He's just a redshirt freshman. He's going to make mistakes. He does some things that are kind of silly. But then you see glimpses and you go, oh, my goodness, that's not fair. And we're going to find out a lot about the K-State defense and their ability to tackle and, and track a multifaceted run game in this one. This has been K-State's Achilles heel over the years. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Scotty Hazleton, Coach Kleiman, and this staff handles the quarterback run game. It always gave Coach Schneider teams fits. Um, it always gave Tom Hayes fits. You know, I remember back to like, I kind of look at Sanders almost like a Zach Taylor mm-hmm. um, from Nebraska, quarterback from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He's very athletic, very shifty, very fast, um, and was a, a really good quarterback and could run that offense really well. And so I just, I, this, it scares me this game at being the first time that this team has seen a dual threat offense that can beat you with the pass and the run yep. um, this year. It just has me a little on edge. Do I think this team can can play well and win this game? Yes, um, but I think it's if it was at home, I'd have a better better feeling about it than than I do going down to Stillwater. I agree with you, and you know this isn't. We just talked about two guys that can kill you on the ground, but with that said, it's still a spread offense. They're going to spread you out with the intent to throw and run on you, but when they throw, they can really do damage. I mean, Tylen Wallace is averaging twenty three point six yards per catch. I mean, that's not fair, man. That's that's just that's unbelievable. He is the best pure wide receiver in college football. Farnon's hands, route running, the way he bo- uses his body to position the defenders. He makes some un- he'll make catches with three guys on him, yeah. and you know he, Sanders will throw it up. You yeah. know, so when those those fifty fifty balls, K State has to either knock them down or they have to be able to get some picks in this game, which I think they can. Um, but like I said, Tylen Walsh, I mean, he does everything right as a receiver. He's, he's a young guy. Um, what is he, a sophomore junior. or junior? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's going to be, he might be a top 10 pick in the draft uh, this year. That's how, that's how impressed I am with him as a receiver. Well, 
the general theme of this podcast is Oklahoma State offense, really good. Oklahoma State defense, not so much. The Kansas State running game can be effective against these guys and can keep that offense, that high-powered offense on the sideline. And stop me if I'm beginning to sound like I'm describing a Bill Snyder game plan for <laughs> for this type of game, but Chris Kleiman said it. you got to lower the number of plays that can take place in a game, lower the number of snaps, lower the number of possessions, they might, a team that hasn't so far this year run uh, at ultra slow paces like Bill Snyder did, might slow it down. They've kind of done some tempo on the K-State offensive side of the ball at times. I don't think we're going to see that in this game. They are going to want to snap that ball late in the play clock and, and really extend this game, just slow it down, put it in in mud and run the ball, run the ball and run the ball. And the good news is Oklahoma State will let you run the ball. They're just not very stout up front. Yeah, and when you're when you're a team like K-State that doesn't run a spread offense that can't score, I mean they can, but they're not going to go down the field and score in 30 seconds in 3 30 to a minute. You know, they're not going to score quick. That's just not no. how this how the makeup is of the team. It's not how the makeup is of how Coach Kleiman and Courtney Messingham want to run the offense. The number one thing you have to do is have long, sustained drives to keep the other offense off the field. The best defense for K-State, like I say all the time, I feel like I repeat myself every time they start getting Big 12 play, the best defense is their offense. Yep. The longer the offense can stay on the field, control the clock, control the, the line of scrimmage, um, and keep the Oklahoma State offense off the field, the better chance K-State will have this game, have a chance to win this game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I feel like Skylar Thompson has matured so much as a quarterback. Mastering that kind of patient game plan is right in his wheelhouse right now that, uh, sure, nobody's going to pass up the big play, the deep throw, but he will know that hey, let's just perpetuate this drive. Let's not take a big chance downfield. Let's just hit the tight end for six and maybe pick up a first down and, and hang on to the ball. I feel like Skyler's really growing into exactly what they need him to do in this game. A game manager. Yeah. That's what they want him to be. They want him to be a game manager, not a hero. No. Manage yeah. the game. Don't make mistakes. Don't make mistakes. And, and get, make sure that they're in the right play every time. What that's, are your thoughts on Mike Gundy as a coach? You know, um, you know, it's kind of hard because I'm not in the program and stuff, but from just looking from the outside, you know, he's, he's been a successful coach. Mm -hmm. He's a little different. Um, and so, but I, but I think he has a good rapport with his players and his, you know, his players play hard for him. I, I believe, you know, obviously I know some of the coaches on the staff. I know Joe Bob Clements. Um, I play, I played for Joe Bob. Um, he's a very fiery defensive coach and, you know, there's nothing more than he would like to do than to beat his alma mater. And he's the D-line guy uh, for this team. So, you know, he's going to try to have his uh, players ready to stop K-State's run. But one thing that's going to be different this year is he may not know exactly what K-State's going to do. That he always used to know in the past that, I mean, every check that they made, I bet Joe Bob knew what the check was. Uh He did. (laughs) Unless K-State changed the, the colors of their live calls or their dummy audibles. And so... You know, he knew the blocking schemes. He knew the, the the calls that the offensive lineman would make, so he could you know give little hints and stuff to your players. Um, but it's a little different this year. But it, you know, it's a lot of the same things of Coach Schneider. Let's pound it. Let's pound it. Let's control the clock. Maybe a little sexier, 
Um, but that's, I mean, they want to do the same thing and they, they've got to do it in this game and special teams, especially cannot have the mistakes they did against Mississippi state. Same mistakes. K state loses by more than two touchdowns in this game. Totally agree. Totally agree. They have to be much cleaner than they were in Starkville. If they want to get out of Stillwater with a win. And, of course, you can hear Marcus Watts each week here on the Powercat pregame podcast taking a look at the Wildcats and how they match up with their opponent. And now it's time to break down the game between the Wildcats and Oklahoma State. And now we bring in Brian Hanley, our postgame analyst, who's you know also a pregame analyst. I guess you're just our analyst. <laughs> Brian. Just an analyst, just an analyst. <laughs> but certainly after this game on Saturday night, we will make the connection and throw up a post-game podcast. What hopefully we'll be covering the fourth victory of the season for Kansas State, but that will not be easy to accomplish as K-State travels into Stillwater for a night game while they're honoring T. Boone Pickens and the paddles will be slapping and the crowd will be roaring and the crowd is absolutely on top of you in Stillwater in a horribly designed stadium that they should be made to redo. But K-State has to find a way to get it done. This is a supreme test for K-State that uh, might be the most hostile road environment they see in this conference. Yeah, I think it absolutely will be. And Oklahoma State is good. Um, It's a typical Oklahoma State team tune where they can run it, and they can throw it. But the difference is on offense is now they got a quarterback that can run it. Yeah. Where usually they don't have that, you know, they don't have that dynamic. Well, now they do. And he can run it very, very well. And they're going to be, I mean, because I think they're coming off the game against Texas thinking that they could have won that game, maybe should have won that game in their mind. So uh, it's it's going to be very tough. And like I said, they can run it and they can throw it. And, you know, if, they've, if there's three better receivers in the country, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that they they have three. That there's three better receivers in the country uh, than Wallace. I, I just don't believe that that's that's the case. This is going to be a tough, tough game. Yeah, I love Spencer Sanders. I've, I made the comparison over and over again. Our poor listeners are getting sick of it, but he reminds me of a young L. Roberson. And what I mean by yes. that is he's not Michael Bishop. He's not that dynamic of a runner, but he's just kind of the freelance. Come and get me. Oh, you didn't get me. I'm going to run around back here. I can take off upfield, but instead I'm going to sling the ball downfield to Wallace or one of his other receivers. Wallace isn't his lone guy. Uh, And as soon as you commit to stopping the run, he might throw it. And as soon as you think he's going to run it, run it, run it, run it. He does run it and you still can't stop him. It's just, he's a maddening guy and he adds another layer to the Gundy offense uh, that they really haven't had, like you said. He frightens me, because I mostly yeah. because it's unknown how Scotty Hazleton is going to handle the spread, let alone a mobile quarterback in the spread, because that is the supreme, ultimate challenge yes. for a defense coordinator. Well, and it's, it's going to be tough because, again, Oklahoma State goes super fast. Yeah. You know, they're going to go really, really fast. They don't run, you know, a ton of different plays. I mean, they run uh, – obviously, they do all the quarterback run games, but they run an inside zone, they run an outside zone, they run a counter, 
and a power, and that's about all they run. But when you run it at light speed and you're up at the line of scrimmage and you just go over and over and over again, that's where it becomes difficult because you don't know what's coming. They run them from all formations, so you have no idea, you know, tendencies and things of that nature. You don't have those kinds of things. So it's just we got to line up, and the defense just – we've done a really good job of tackling and being – in the right fits, being in the positions that we need to be the first three games. This is going to be another one that where we're just going to have to be where we're going to be and get in the right fits because there's going to be a lot of positions, a lot of times it's going to be one-on-one where guys are just going to have to make the tackle. And if we don't make the tackle, guys are going to run for 40 yards. So that's where the difference with this week is versus maybe previous weeks. And we did a good job against Mississippi State. Did a great job because Hill, like you said, he is a NFL running back. He just is. Well, this week we're going to have to do the same thing, except they're going at lightning speed where Mississippi State didn't do that. Yep. Now the K-State player said they've been allocated eight seconds between the end of the play and the start of the next play. And That's right. I, I don't care how good a shape you're in. After about play number seven of that, your hands will be yep. on your knees, and all of a sudden, Tuba Hubbard runs right by you because you just can't right. get to where you need to be. It's a really fun offense. It is. I I love these offenses and how they uh, can do this to you. But the trade-off quite often for these offenses is a either they don't recruit as much talent on defense they're putting all the talent on offense or b it just puts your own defense an impossible situation of going out on the field way too often where they eventually break down because k-state's offense can do things to oklahoma state's defense that might be very advantageous and that's where the the difference is really going to be is us as an offense Time of possession is going to be really, really key this game. Not that it isn't every game, but it really makes a difference in this type of game because having the ball and keeping their offense off the field, more importantly, resting our defense and then going and scoring touchdowns is what's going to make the difference in this game. Just doing what we do, hat on a hat, pushing guys around, controlling the ball. It's going to have to be a lot cleaner game, especially in special teams. Mm-hmm. Um to make the big difference in this game. But uh, if, if guys are doing what they're supposed to do, you know, and it's going to be a tough fight, like I said, Oklahoma State. I mean, that place, there's five yards from the sidelines to the stands. I'm like, it's unheard of. It's crazy out there. Then again, it's fun for the opponent. It's fun, but it's crazy. Yeah, I imagine on that sideline, you find out some things about your mother you never knew. Uh, absolutely. There's absolutely no room to maneuver. You know, if you're like a member of the media, you really can't get from one end of the field to the other during the game because the, the sidelines, the benches are at the wall. It's crazy. Yes. It's, it's crazy Literally. when they did the redesign of that expansion of that stadium. They didn't carve back at least one side uh, to make it more accessible because, honestly, it's dangerous for the players if they run out of bounds. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Uh, not that if I ran out of bounds, I would make it five yards. I would probably just sit down <laughs> on the white stripe. Uh, Brian, if they win this game, how's that set them up for the rest of the season? Sets them up pretty good. I mean, Oklahoma State is better than I think what people are giving them credit for. Um, they lost. I know they lost to Texas, but they didn't play horrible. 
And like I said, I believe that with a mistake here and there, I think they believe that they should have won the game. And they were right in the game for the most part. And if it sets up K-State because of how, again, confidence on the road, tough opponent, uh, Oklahoma State is better than Mississippi State. Um, they just are. And if we can come out and win this game, uh, 1-0 in the conference, I mean, the confidence level of the guys is going to go through the roof. It'll be great. Just great for the guys. Well, we will see how it all plays out in Stillwater on Saturday night. It can set the table up for really good things for this Wildcat program moving forward. It's another game, as I described on a different podcast this week, where I feel like K-State's playing with house money. As long as you don't lose big, shatter your confidence, get some injuries, you're going to be okay coming out of Stillwater with the loss. There's no moral victory in it, but it's also not disaster. You get to come home and start over with, with eight more games in the conference and five of them are at home, and you're in pretty good shape. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, no injury. You never want any injuries, but you want to play well. Yeah. You know, like you said, no moral victories, but it's one thing to lose and just get boat raced and get blown out. It's right. another thing to lose when you play well and it's close. Like you said, no moral victories, but at least you have something that you can build upon. Getting embarrassed or getting whipped, that, you know, you can't really build upon that. A lot of times you don't even want to watch the film because it doesn't show you anything other than, you got destroyed. So I think the big thing is we need to go in there and just play well. You know, I just kind of feel like K-State is the more complete team. And that isn't diminishing Oklahoma State because I think Oklahoma State's a tremendous team. I just think that defense is going to end up being a liability for the Cowboys. Mistakes were a liability for the Cowboys at Texas. Poor coaching decisions were a liability. K-State made mistakes at Mississippi State. They weren't they didn't pay the ultimate price for it because, well, honestly, Mississippi State is in Texas. But also, right. Coach Kleiman put his team in a position to win. Coach Gundy, if he just lined up and kicked a few field goals, would at least forced overtime, and he just kept going for it, and, and it just didn't work out for him. I, I feel like Kansas State's the more complete team, even though this Oklahoma State offense is so special. They can do so much, and they're so complete, and that says a lot because I really like K-State's offense too. Well, they are, but it's just like you said, the defense, I mean, leaves a lot to be desired. And and kind of what I went back to at the very beginning, it's a typical Oklahoma State team. You got a ton of offense, but defense not so much there. And, you know, in years past, at least they've had maybe a couple of pass rushers, mm-hmm. you know, that were going to be outstanding. Well, you don't really see that a whole lot from this team. I, I mean, K-State – we're going to have our way. I mean, we're going to be able to run and move the football as long as, like I said, as long as it's a clean game and we continue to do that, we're going to be able to move the ball, score some points. So I'm excited. Well, I am too. And we will gather after the game to talk about the result down in Stillwater. The game's on ESPN plus, but Brian Hanley is always ESPN extra plus to us. (laughs) Thank you, partner. I'll talk to you uh, on Saturday night. And now we go to Las Vegas and talk to our good friend Kelly Stewart. Kelly in Vegas on social media. And, of course, she starred in the Showtime series Action. And you can find her at wagertalk.com. And we're proud to be now in partnership with Wager Talk, if you want to call it that. Uh, we, we will occasionally have segments from them on the website like we did with Mississippi State. Kelly, I'm so excited I for know. that uh 
that Oklahoma State video, especially us being ranked in the top 25 now, makes things so much more interesting. It's going to be awfully fun. And I tell you what, we got a lot of uh, good numbers. We'll just put that way on the stuff from Wager Talk. It was really well received by our subscribers. So much appreciated. Especially when I'm the only one that says K-State's K-State's the play. I played K-State, and both sharp guys go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and let, you got it. Let them have it on the message boards, guys. That's my favorite. Yep. Feel free to tweet them as well. I, no, I love I loved both Teddy and Drew. Um, we have a couple different guys today on the video with me, but it's always great to get the Vegas perspective. And also, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it gives you as a fan a little bit more perspective. So if we don't go down to Stillwater and win the game, but we lose by a field goal, the perceived perception that we should have lost by a touchdown, somewhat of a moral victory. Maybe I'm just jaded by Vegas. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. You're always looking at the numbers. And this number with K-State at Oklahoma State started at 7.5. You just told me you got it there, but it plummeted to four and a half. Now explain to our peeps out there what causes that type of sharp movement so quickly. Tons and tons of money. So one of my favorite things about being able to be out here in Vegas and be able to get those early numbers, we have a sports book out here called Circa that just opened, and their newest claim to fame is to be the first ones in the world, literally, to put out college football lines. And so, so Sundays I'm doing a ton of stuff with the NFL, and I'm super busy, but I have an alarm set in my phone for 2 o'clock because I know those numbers are going to drop, and there are certain numbers I'm looking for and I'm going to bet them regardless if it ends up being a play or not, because those are numbers that are not going to be available later. So I can always come back. Now, if I wanted to come back and bet Oklahoma State minus four and a half, hope the game lands six or seven, I win both bets. So I think that's what we're seeing here with K-State. Big money came in early. When I saw that seven and a half, I said, I got to get on this now. I didn't even call my dad to see if he wanted to join me. I knew the answer was yes. <laughs> Went ahead and bet it. Called him and said, hey, I've already got K-State plus seven and a half. Um, the, the thing to remember about those early lines that they don't they don't take big bets on them so what they're doing is they're putting out these early numbers to gauge the market where's the money going to come in on i do think we will see um more money coming on k-state k-state being ranked a ranked team catching points on the road is always attractive and honestly k-state off a of bye is is a huge upside for this wildcats team I was holding an Oklahoma State ticket, and I'm still speechless. Gundy, what were you thinking as that uh, play calling in the red zone on multiple occasions? I understand we joke a lot about kicking field goals, and we made fun of Pat Narduzzi. To, why are you kicking a field goal there when you should be going for a touchdown? That was not the right move for Gundy. Take both field goals, tie up the game. He killed all the momentum that they possibly had. Um, I thought they should have came out of Austin with a win, but they didn't. Sanders still looks good. This this kid is, is going to be tough. Uh, to defend, but I think if anybody's defense can do it, it's ours. Yeah, I agree. He He's going to be a little bit different than what K-State's seen so far. What I like about him is they're running elements of the spread, but sprinkling Chuba Hubbard, a very good running back, along with Sanders, the freshman quarterback, who's incredibly athletic. So anytime you're running the spread, and by definition, you're spreading out the defense, and oh, by the way, the quarterback can run through those gaps we've created by formation, something K-State did quite a bit, you're in big trouble. It really is difficult to defend, and I'm intrigued to see how Scotty Hazleton approaches this defensively for K-State. How about that special teams? That was our big weakness at Mississippi State. I'm really hoping K-State locks up a couple of those uh, real 
just dumb errors yeah. for lack of better words. I, I can't think of what else to call them. I just, I got to watch part of the game. Obviously Saturday mornings are hectic for me. Um, I had a couple of K state ladies sitting to the right of me. So every time they cheered, I knew to turn my head to the right where the K state game was on TV. Um, and there was a couple of jeers going, what was that? And uh, hopefully K state has uh, worked through some things during the bye week and gets to come out with a win. I mean, I bet him on the money line. Um, I did not against Mississippi State. I did in this scenario. But, again, I, I'm a lot more sold on this Wildcats team than I was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, and that shows up in the national rankings. Yeah, it was such a mixed bag in special teams at Mississippi State. Just a couple of boneheaded muffs on punts kept the Bulldogs in that game. And then they had the 100-yard kickoff return. That Which was saved, amazing. Saved the day for K-State. So it's it's like, oh, I hate you, I love you. You know, it's yeah. that, that was my relationship with special teams two Saturdays ago when they are at Mississippi State. Can't do that on the road in the Big 12. Texas got away with it at home against Oklahoma State, a couple muff punts that, as you mentioned, Oklahoma State couldn't properly cash in. I think K-State's going to win this game outright, and I, I, I feel like maybe I'm being a homer here, but also I, I like this team a lot, and I, while I don't know what they're going to do against the spread defensively, I think they're sound enough on that side of the ball to simply dominate Oklahoma State with the run game and take them take the Cowboys out of what they want to do. And that's exactly what K-State has always done, whether it was Coach Snyder or Coach Kleiman. They have the capability of controlling tempo. And if they can do that, I, I know that's more of a Manhattan, Kansas type of thing than going on the road, but if they can control the tempo of this game, they can throw Spencer Sanders out of his rhythm. They can throw that offense out of their rhythm. And as far as our side offensively, I've been very impressed with Skylar Thompson thus far, and I really, truly believe that he can control that offense and also control the tempo on that side of the ball as well. Yeah, if it comes down to basic fundamentals for me, if you control those lines of scrimmage, which they did at Mississippi State, you can overcome a lot, which they did at Mississippi State. So our friend Kelly here says, bet the Cats. I, I yeah. don't know. I, I think I'm, even at four and a half cats is a play, and I think it might even get dipped down a little bit lower. But, um, I mean, if you're feeling fearless, bet the money line. I did. I did because uh, basically I do a three-team money line parlay every single week. Um, and I was like, you know what? Should have put K-State in there a couple weeks ago. I didn't. Um, and now I'm kicking myself. So I think, I think they're going to – they're going to get down to Stillwater. And, you know, don't forget, last year when Oklahoma State was ranked, came into Manhattan, Kansas, and we took care of business. This is a this is a very good Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State team, but I don't think they're disciplined well enough to yeah, beat K-State. And that's something that K-State's always had the edge and the ability to do. Um, and let's be honest, even, you know, prior to Chris Kleiman, they've thrived in the underdog role for at least a decade. So this is going to be, this is going to be exciting. I'm, I'm excited to watch this game, and I think uh, – K-State keeps it close and win, and or wins the game outright. Okay. Anything else you're looking at in the Big 12 or around college football that you really like? Yeah, you know, I'm looking at TCU. I know it sounds funny, but this Kansas team that's all of a sudden getting so much love because they were able to go in on Friday night and beat uh, Boston College. Last week, they were able to get the cover against West Virginia. This is a TCU team that just got beat by SMU, and I know they're they're better than that. Last year, they lost at Kansas. Remember, if you remember, they fumbled on the Kansas mm -hmm. six-yard line with like less than a minute left. It was absolutely atrocious. And then, of course, we all made fun of them. But these guys handed that game to SMU with too many turnovers. I really, truly believe they're going to be able to lock up those mistakes. I like Coach Patterson a lot. I think he's going to have this team ready, and they're going to just beat the hell out of KU. 
Oh, that's interesting. What's that line at now? 16 and a half, somewhere in there? Yeah, it's big. It's big, and it's big for a reason. Don't let it fool you. Don't look at it and say, oh, well, you know, that's a lot of points because this team just lost. And you do have to throw the revenge factor in there. Now, don't buy in solely to the revenge factor, but don't think that this team hasn't had this game circled and isn't really looking for to lay one on here against the Jayhawks. Now the Jayhawks, again, are playing better ball, but I am not sold that Boston College wasn't just absolutely overlooking that team and got caught just with their pants down because this Kansas team still has faults. Yes, they have some talent, but I'm not there yet with KU thinking that they're going to go on the road in the Big 12 and uh, really upset some people. I'm not so sure TCU wasn't caught looking ahead to KU last week when they were playing SMU because they looked ill-prepared and not mentally focused one bit on the Mustangs. I think you're right. They might have been pretty excited to get their hands on KU after what happened last year in Lawrence. No one can sit here and say, oh, yeah, we're focused the same each and every week. No. K-State's going to get up for bigger games like KU, which is why they always cover those astronomical numbers against KU in football. They're going to get up big for Texas games. And why? They lost in 2013 to Baylor Mm -hmm. because they had their eyes on the big national championship prize. And they went down to Waco and got beat. And that is what happens in college football each and every week. So, yeah, I'm looking at TCU here. And as far as anything else goes, Baylor, Iowa State looks really attractive to lay the points with Iowa State here, right? You're going to wait, Iowa State. Iowa State left a lot on the field versus Iowa, and they took it out last week against um, Louisiana Monroe. This Baylor team, I think, is a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. Remember, yeah. Matt Campbell lost a lot yeah, this last year. He, he had a lot of guys graduate, and I like Matt Campbell, and I love him in an underdog situation, but people remember too much what they saw last year when the teams aren't the same. Uh, This is going to be a good one. I haven't went to the window yet, make a play on Baylor, but I think I might end up getting there before kick Uh, again, maybe just a little too overhyped here with the Cyclones. If we see something crazy happen um, or I get some good, good information, then I I may end up on the bears right now. Just letting everybody kind of know more or less. I think it looks pretty trappy. So maybe stay away from the cyclones. I love that phrase. Trappy. I like trappy. I I argue with people all the time. They say, Oh, the bookmakers aren't trying to trap you. Oh, they aren't. How many people went and bet UCF last week at Pittsburgh when a lot of people had Pittsburgh tickets in their pocket. Yep. There's there. That looked that 12 and a half got bet all the way down to 10. That's a lot of money to move that. And UCF money just kept pouring in. The bookmakers are not giving out free money. Contrary to popular belief. Very true. Her name is Kelly Stewart. She's a friend of the show, a friend of a family and, and we appreciate her contributing each week. Thank you, Tim. Well, we've heard from the GoPowerCat.com staff. We've heard from Sam Mays, who watches Oklahoma State on a regular basis as a former player and a radio host. And we've heard from the analyst that also observed Kansas State. It's K-State at Oklahoma State, 6 p.m. Saturday night in Stillwater. The game is on ESPN+. If you don't know how to get it, you better figure it out because a whole lot of basketball is going to be on there for Kansas State this season also. Coming on Friday at GoPowerCat.com, I will have my five keys to the game for the Wildcats if they want to win this game, and that is something I think they will do. Well, here's a sneak peek. My final score, K-State 38, Oklahoma State 34. K-State finds a way to put up enough points to leave Stillwater with a win. 
move to 4-0 on the season and 1-0 in conference play as they come home to face the Baylor Bears and finish the season with five out of eight in Manhattan. If they can win, it's huge, and I think they will do that. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. This has been the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And remember, all football season long, a podcast every day from GoPowerCat.com. You've been listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.